Hello. We're going to talk today about tracking the buyer's journey. So there are several stages that lead up to a sale. And in order to get good sales, you have to address each of these stages so that you bond with a potential customer. So, for example, let's consider buying a television set. A person needs or becomes aware that they might need to address a need or a pain that they think they have. So in the television case study, it might be that their existing uh, television has a very poor picture quality and it's not connected to streaming services like Netflix. So they've this is a pain. I have a need. I want to watch Netflix. They have a number of alternatives in the awareness stage. They have potentially a choice of products and a choice of service providers. And they'd probably start with product first and then work out who's going to supply it. So the marketing that you might do at this stage is offering them information services on the options that they have and suggesting decision-making criteria. You could do this through blogs on your website, for example, that are rich in keywords that they might be searching for. Realistically, in a world of perfect information that we live in presently, your material has a pretty low probability of getting found unless it's very personalised for your catchment area or your clientele in some way. If it is in a crowded market, you probably won't make much of an impact at this awareness raising stage, so you may not want to invest a lot of time and effort in it. That's a decision that you make in the context of your own business. The next stage that our buyer goes through on their journey is to consider, or the consideration, that here they're actively identifying and considering potential solutions. So in our TV example, for example, for example, they're talking about or they're thinking about the screen size, they're thinking about the number of streaming services that the television connects to. So really, they're considering the pros and the cons, and they're rejecting any product or service that's not meeting their needs. They're probably going to be using product reviews. They're probably going to be look for other social proof to narrow down and justify the one that they later pick. Now, social proof is a generic term. That refers to things like referrals from previous customers to online reviews and to things like testimonials. So this is third-party documents that are saying to your potential customer, this particular or you can be trusted as a provider of the service. In terms of marketing, you might have blogs on your website that are very rich in keywords on the product and the need and why you're better than the competitors. Remember here, they're identifying potential solutions. So what you want to do is remain in the race against other uh, competitors who can provide a somewhat similar service. Your website and your Google business profile should have as much social proof as possible. And also you should be listing things like your professional accreditation and the years of service that you've had so that those things might reassure the customer about uh, what that, that you can address their particular needs. You can provide the solutions that they want. So next step is in the journey is decision-making. At this point, they know what product they want and they're now looking for a supplier. So they're first of all going to look for a supplier that can in fact supply what they're after. So that's the first cut through and elimination of, of potential suppliers. Then they're going to start to do price and quality comparisons. Now, Generally, people will always look at quality before they look at price because no one really wants a cheap but defective solution. But your price definitely needs to be competitive or you'll be cut out on the basis of price.
Now, you can't always talk about price because you may not know what's involved in satisfying whatever their particular need is. Or you may be afraid of sticker shock. If you tell them what it's going to cost, it might horrify them and they stop pursuing that avenue or pursuing you at least altogether. So you can sometimes use safety words, alternative phrases like uh, government set price or professional fee. You follow the professional body's fee structure. Price is a sensitive topic, but just keep in mind that it is going to be a reason for people ceasing to buy or rejecting you if they think that the price is going to be too high. So what marketing are we focusing on here? Well, first of all, we're looking at probably person-to-person -person sales conversations. They're going to ring you or your office and want to talk to someone about it, to get a feel about you know, the body chemistry, if you like, but also what's involved. In terms of marketing on your website, there are specific types of pages called landing pages or funnel pages that can be built on, on a website. And they're designed skillfully and intentionally to move people down a buying process, a funnel through these steps, addressing their particular needs at each of these stages and making sure that they're satisfied moving on to the next stage. Now, if you've got a very fast, a very fast buyer's journey, then the tunnel is going to be very important because that's the first and last tool that they're going to see in making and uh, approaching you. Having made a decision and, and treated the work with the customer, they're now a client, you want to actively explore retention, how you retain them on their buyer's journey. So many services will be reused, so many medical services, for example, and you want to be a continuing supplier. You don't want to have that person just once off. So in other words, your goal is to maximise the lifetime value of that customer through repeat visits. What marketing do you use? Well, you need some sort of reminder service because they can simply forget you if they, if they don't hear from you or they don't have the pressing need. So if you're a dentist, for argument's sake, you might pitch them every six months to get a checkup. Or, But it's good also to be giving people something every, say, 30 days if you can't set a specific appointment in advance. And there's some evidence that after 90 days, if they haven't heard from you, just totally forget when the, their need arises again, they've forgotten that you were their previous person. You could do things like surprising them with a birthday card. It's a once a year thing, but it has a, it's sticking in their mind. So the aim here, the aim of retention is to avoid what is called churn, churning customers through the cycle, but not keeping them. The longer you, there's plenty of evidence that the lifetime value returning or retaining existing clients is far more profitable for your business than having to expend much more money getting a new client. I say that again because it's important. It's far more profitable for you to retain a client than it is to find a new client. And perhaps the final step or a final step is the step in the buyer's journey, which we call advocacy. And this is extremely important because advocacy, when people become your advocate, they advocate you, then that's the source of all of your social proof. And that, therefore, that's extremely important. Now, we talked about social proof earlier in, in the buyer's journey. These are things like reviews, referrals, testimonials. And these are extremely important because they're third parties. They're not related to you independently giving potential customers 
the value of their experience and saying that, yes, you've done a good job for the advocate. So part of the process here might be following up every client after every contact, because what you want to do is to see if there's any looming problems, any reason why they wouldn't become an advocate for you. So there's a saying, for example, that 10% of an iceberg is above water. So 90% of an iceberg, you're not seeing it. So if you don't actively monitor for problems, for issues, for concerns, for customer disappointments, they're going to sneak up. 90% of them won't draw their attention to you by themselves. And another rule of thumb is that an unhappy person tells an average of 13 other people that they're unhappy. And this is particularly an issue in today's age of social media, where it's so active, so easy to spread the word that, about how disappointed you are. And people, unfortunately, very often like to say, to spread the word about disappointment rather than that they were excited. And the various tools for, for advocacy, you'd be looking for review management tools to try and capture them and get them onto your website. There's also things like Net Promoter Score that you've almost certainly seen where it says, rank me on a score of one to 10, where 10 is the best. That's a very powerful tool because it's got a lot of science behind it and it allows you to measure a trend of how things are progressing. So things are going to be different at every stage of your marketing to the buyer's journey. And it's far too big a topic to cover here but you can research it. You can look, for example, on Google for things like, or website, 12faces.business, for things like sales funnel and buyer's journey. Google those terms and see what comes up. And on Google in particular, you might be lucky enough to find articles specifically covering the marketing and the buyer's journal for your particular profession. So if you're a lawyer, for example, and you, you could be searching for uh, articles in Google on the buyer's journey and marketing for lawyers. Keep in mind also that the speed of the journey, the buyer's journey will vary according to need and to risk. If they have an injury, for example, the speed of making a decision which doctor to go to or medical professional is likely to be a lot faster than it is if there's no pressing particular need. I don't really need a television today, so I won't make a decision. And the other dimension in the speed of the journey is the risk involved. The more risky the decision, the longer they're likely to take to make a decision. So you'd spend a lot more time on considering buying a house than you would on considering buying a television, and you would on considering buying a one-off visit to a massage therapist. So in summary, your marketing needs to cover each stage in the buyer's journey to an extent that's appropriate for your industry. You want to make sure that you don't spend too much on an area that's un relatively unproductive for you. But you do need to be careful that you don't miss a step and lose the buyer altogether. So hopefully that has illuminated the various steps in the buyer's journey, sensitized you to things to consider and how to adjust your marketing strategy to suit. So we've come to the end of this nugget on the buyer's journey. I hope that you are now more aware of the various stages and how to potentially market to those stages to maximize the number of customers that you can get from your catchment area. If you like this article and would like to get more like it, please subscribe to the channel where you got this. 
Please tick the like box where that's available so that you can share the fact that this was useful with other people. And you can always learn more about what we have to offer on our website at 12faces.business. Thank you for your time.